Welcome and thank you for listening to the CRC podcast brought to you by Pastor Ad Boschel. We believe that God is working across this platform to bring each and every believer revival throughout their entire lives. We hope you are inspired by this week's message. My message tonight is pray and you will never become the devil's prey. P-R-A-Y and you will never become the devil's P-R-E-Y. So you have to sit up tonight, pay attention because your life is at stake. I mean it. Your future. Oh, there are times that we have to party in the church but there are times that we have to increase our vigilance, our alertness and we have to more be more resilient, more vigilant, and we have to resist the plans of Satan against us, against our families, against our friends, against the plan that God has for us. So, I said it this morning, and most of you weren't here because this is the service for the younger people, but I was 16 years old when I received my call-up instructions. 16, one six, at school, standard eight, grade 10 that I received the brown envelope with a number. 803 And those were my call-up papers to the army. You're in the army now. Yeah, you're in the army now. Never chosen. I never chose to go to the army. The army chose me. I never chose to engage in any battle, but the battle chose me. So on the 3rd of January, 1983, I had to clar in. That's the English. Because the Afrikaans was run, or the army was run by Afrikaans. I had to clar in. No choice, no option. If I didn't show up, I was on AWOL, absent without leave. And I would be arrested by people, or could be arrested by people who wore orange doibies. That's like a helmet on the top of your head because you never showed up to be trained for battle. A lot of Christians are not showing up to be trained. A lot of Christians think that this journey with Christ is a journey on a pleasure boat. It's not. This is a battleship and we have to be prepared to engage the enemy at all times. And I'm going to talk about that from the Word of God tonight. Whether you like to know it or not, you are in a spiritual warfare. And if you think you're not, then Satan already has the advantage over you because he has lulled you into a lullaby to think you have no enemy. The greatest power Satan has over your life is deception through ignorance. The Bible says we are not ignorant of the devil's devices. The Bible says we should be sober and vigilant. We have an opponent. Every one of you, Whether you like or not, you say, Pastor, I don't want a war. I I, I don't want to fight. It's not the issue. You were born for battle. You were born for this hour. You were born to enforce the devil's defeat. And it's time for the church to go on the offensive and to stop being on the defensive. It's time to take territory for God in Jesus' name. It's time to rise up and to stand up and to take back all the territory that the devil has stolen. Shout Amen and give Him a praise all over South Africa. (laughs) 
So I want to go back to Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 from the Message Bible or Message Translation. It says, and that about wraps it up. God is strong and wants you to be strong. So take everything the Master has set out for you, well-made weapons of the best materials and put them to use so that you will be able to stand up to everything the devil throws your way. There are going to be attacks against you whether you are 18 or 80. One of the things... And, you know, I follow the war in Ukraine, obviously. I'm a strategist. I'm watching what's happening. The Ukrainians facing overwhelming odds, almost impossible for them to win that war had it not been for the support from Western allies. Whatever is behind the war, whether it's economic powers, again, manipulating a nation to exploit the riches of the nation, I don't know and I'm not there to say. Whatever you believe about the war, it's not the issue. What we can learn from that is that Ukraine is attacked and under attack. And it's not something that one of the people in Ukraine wanted. Seven million women and children has fled. Every male under the age of 60 had to stay in Ukraine and take up arms to stand against Russian aggression. Now, I'm not making a political statement here tonight. Whatever you believe, believe here in South Africa. I'm illustrating a point that the Ukrainians never chose the battle. The battle chose them. And one of the pleas from their president was give us weapons to fight because we are under an attack. And my brother, my sister, every believer will face some kind of a spiritual attack. Every one of you are born into a battle. That's not to put fear upon you. That's to wake you up so you can understand by virtue of the fact that you're alive, saved or unsaved, you're in a battle and Satan wants to ruin your life, destroy your life, destroy your emotions, destroy your character, destroy your business, destroy your health, destroy your marriage, destroy your hope because John 10, 10, the Bible says the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So we cannot be in a warfare and we don't know our enemy. We're not glorifying the devil. We're exposing the works of darkness. Amen. We're talking about how to enforce Satan's defeat. We're talking about understanding that although we're in this world, we're not of this world. That this world lies under the dominion of Satan. People get confused when we talk about salvation. When you're born again, Colossians 1 verse 13 says, You are translated from the domain, the dominion, the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of your dear son, spiritually. But this world, this cosmos is still the domain of Satan where you have to trade, where you have to live, where you have to engage with people. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4, the Bible says, He's the God of this world. That's why there's so much chaos in this world because Satan, the destroyer, rules this world as you know it. Rules, rules the economy, rules the agenda, rules the politics. Evil rulers that are controlled by spirits are controlling this entire cosmos, the world system. So we're not of this world, but we live in this world and we have to learn how to use the weapons God gave us to overcome the attacks of the devil, who is small letter God, G-O-T, the God of this world. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 2 calls him the prince of the power of the air. So if you think the devil has no power, my brother, you are deceived. 
What Jesus did at Calvary was he destroyed the authority over the seed of the woman, which is Christ. So when you are in Christ, Satan has no authority over your life. You have authority over the devil to enforce his defeat in this world because you are raised together with Christ, seated in heavenly places. You're in a place of victory and dominion. So when we are talking about being attacked by the devil, we are not saying we are living under the attack. We are talking about being resilient and resisting every attack of the devil. Realize that the weapons of Satan, although they manifest in the natural realm, in the guise of temptation, in the guise of discouragement, whatever it is, has its origin in the spirit realm. The devil will do everything in his power to keep you weak. And the only way He can keep you weak is to keep you out of church, to steal the Word of God from your life, and to keep you out of prayer. Because no Word, no faith. No prayer, no power. No woman, no cry. No church, you die. No faith, you die. No Word, you die. So you have to understand, like the Ukrainians, that you need to use the weapons that God gave you. You cannot be passive. You cannot say, I'm not going to engage. You cannot say, I don't like the stone. I just want to be happy and mind my own business. Well, you can mind your own business, but be rest assured that Satan is also minding your business and that Satan has a plan to destroy your life. You have to understand it. And when you understand that, maybe one of the greatest revelations you can have as a Christian you will serve God totally different. You're not going to play church because you play church, you will live as a a, a yo-yo Christian, a big dipper Christian, a dingbat Christian. You have to understand that you are in a spiritual battle. And this is really what Paul is saying. He says, so take everything the master has set out for you, well-made weapons of the best materials and put them to use. And you'll be able to stand up to everything the devil throws your way. This is no weekend war. Well, I'll, ex- I'll, I'll serve God done and done. Uh-uh. I'll pray for my children now and again. Uh-uh. I'll come to church now and again. No, no. This is no weekend war. Now listen, I didn't want to go to the army. Before I got saved, and, and sometimes people say, uh, Pastor, chill a little bit. Take a chill pill. Listen, I understand that you as a young person are engaged in a battle and somebody has to uh, firstly make you aware that you're in a battle, even if it is through Delilah coming your way or some kind of temptation. And you have to understand that the way you are going to overcome and be strong as a young person is to be a person of the Word, where God comes first in your life. It's not an optional. It's not occasionally. It's not serving God just because you like the music or something else. You have to take this journey serious because it is the most serious engagement that you can possibly embark on your journey and your pursuit of God, His Word, and the call of God upon your life. I mean, when I was 16 years old, 70 years old, all I did was party. I didn't want to go to the army. So when I enlisted in the army with my lungs full of nicotine, tar from marijuana, cigarettes, mandrax, alcohol, too much alcohol, etc., etc., last thing I wanted in my life was discipline. 
because I was rebellious. Nobody told me anything. And if you did, I would go and do exactly the opposite. Till I met Jesus, who called me to be a disciple. And the root word of discipleship is discipline. And then I was called to the army and what they trained me was discipline. You have to go beyond your feelings, your emotion, your reason, because you are in a warfare. You have to get ready. You have to be prepared. You have to live every day expecting an attack of Satan against your life. We went to the border. We were 18 years old. We didn't want to go. So people die physically. Young people die because of warfare. I see how many people backslide because of a spiritual warfare. How many people abandon the faith because they don't realize they're in a spiritual battle and their friends don't pray for them. Try and pacify people which will not work. You have to understand this. It's one of the greatest revelations that you can have as a Christian. Not celebrating the devil and not becoming like old MacDonald had a farm. He are he are ho. He the devil, da the devil, ura the devil. In the devil after elke bol soek nie. Nee, dis nie wat ek praat nie. Maar jy moet praat wees. Jy moet gereed wees. Jy moet weet. Jy is in die oorlog. Jy moet weet. Jy het een vijand. Wat jy wil vernietig. Wat jy wil verslint. Jy moet het weet. Jy moet het weet. Dit wat beteken onskuldig is, is glad nie onskuldig nie. Dis die duivelse plan om jou tot nie te bring. Jy moet het besef. Jy moet met onderscheiding lewe. Daarom sê die Bijbel, wandel in die geest. En jy sal nie die werke van die vlees volbring nie. Walk in the spirit. You have to live a spiritual life as a young person. And we'll talk about that tonight. Because your enemy is spiritual. And let me tell you, my brother, he'll outsmart you any day of the week. He'll outwit you any day of the week outside of the word. He'll deceive you any day of the week. He's been around for thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of years in our time span. He has seen people like you before. He knows your strengths, your weaknesses. Second to God, He knows you better than any other spiritual being in this world. Better than your wife, better than your parents. He knows everything about you. He watches you 24-7. He knows how to trip you up. He knows what thought to project in your mind to get you discouraged. Are you listening to me tonight? Mm. Come and just give the Lord a praise because it's good. I don't think there's a, there's a Ukrainian that would not like this war to stop. Cities being shelled, bombed. People being killed, civilians, soldiers, people that were civilians, that were computer operators now having to fire anti-tank missiles trained in a few months. I don't think there are many of them that actually want this war to continue. And I, I actually don't think that as Christians we really want to hear even that we are engaged in a spiritual warfare. But we are. And we have to have the revelation of it. And we have to engage because we have an enemy that is engaging. That is planning. That is scheming against us, against you, against your marriage, against your future, against your health. 
so he says, this is no weekend world that we'll walk away from and forget about it in a couple of hours. This is for keeps. A life or death fight to the finish against the devil and all his angels. Be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Take all the help you can get. Every weapon God has issued so that when it's all over but the shouting, hallelujah, on a Sunday, you'll still be standing on your feet. Truth, the belt of truth, righteousness, breastplate of righteousness, peace, feet shot with the gospel of peace, faith above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the enemy, and salvation, the helmet, are more than words. Learn how to apply them. You'll need them throughout your life. You'll need them throughout your life. Listen, if you can disarm an army, you can overpower them without firing one shot, right? So Satan will try to neutralize you by doing what? By isolating you. We all know the strongest buffalo bull, when he's isolated from the herd, a pride of lions will take him out. We all know that a lion, which a pride of lions, five brothers that walk together are a strong coalition. And there are not many animals that can take them out. They will dominate like the seven brothers or seven in Gru National Park. There's a fantastic program on them and many life lessons we can learn from that. How seven became divided, five against two, and then the five became three against two. And then another pride came in of five brothers and started killing them off one by one. So you can be the strongest lion. You can be the strongest buffalo. If you get isolated, the devil will take you out, my brother. If you get yourself out of the local church, you get out of your spiritual protection because there is safety in numbers. Everything God started in the church and everything God gave you is not to control you, but to protect you so that you can persevere, so you can live a life of victory, so that you can overcome and you can prevail through every trial and every attack of the devil. And one of them is you have to be planted in a local church where people stand on your left and on your right. When you jump around from church to church, you never have meaningful relationships. And as human beings, we all have blind spots that Satan will try to exploit. So you need people who know you, people who love you, people that love you enough to pray for you and speak truth to you. Because this buffalo is still eating over here, then this buffalo sees a lion approaching and the herd turns that way. Nature teaches us. But somehow we think we can do this Jesus walk by ourselves. But when Jesus left, He established the church. And He gave us the Holy Spirit. And He gave us the Word. And He gave us the ability to outlast every attack and every plan and every strategy of Satan. I'll say it again. Isolation will lead to annihilation. Listen. Isolation will lead to annihilation. I don't care how powerful you are, how strong you are. I don't care. You may be strong today, but if you're all by yourself, serving God by your lonesome self, it's a matter of time and you will become the enemy's prey. Because that's how God designed it. Our Father, not my Father. That we are to live in a fold. Not go where you think the vibe is the best, but where you get trained and equipped for spiritual battle, where you get trained and equipped 
to last in this journey of faith so that you serve God vigilantly throughout your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, your 60s, your 70s and your 80s. Come on, if you plan to last, jump to your feet and shout Amen and give Him a praise. Hallelujah. I, I, I don't want to talk about the war of apartheid. Um, but that was a, a, a we as a country were in a state of war for 27 years. I did two years and then I did eight camps. Every year I did a camp. I was forced to be in a state of paratheid. What is that known else? Readiness. Every year. No matter what you did, you had to go back and be reminded you have an enemy. We're not talking about that war where it was just. We're talking about it was a war. Our state was in a state of war all the time. And every South African knew it. And we had to live ready all the time. As the Ukrainians have to today. As we have to, even more so. Because spiritually there's more at stake than just people being killed. And that's terrible. We're talking about the spiritual future of people. We're talking about the salvation of people. We're talking about you finishing strong one day. And Satan will do everything in his power to get you to fall out of this race by offending you, by deceiving you, by discouraging you, by causing division. He knows exactly how to get to you so that you will say, it's not worth it. I'm not going to go to church anymore. I'm just going to go sit by the sideline. That is the start of annihilation. Isolation. Like the prodigal son who left his father's house, where did he end? But thank God through prayer, people are going to come to their senses. Amen. Through prayer, the prodigals and the backsliders are going to come home in Jesus' name. Through prayer, we are going to see a move of God come on through prayer. We are going to see the blind eyes open and the deaf ears unstopped. Come on, CRC, through prayer. We are going to see a move of God in our schools, in our universities, in our country, in our government. We are going to see a move of God through prayer. We are going to see God remove some people and God promote other people through the power of prayer. Because let me tell you, it's not the politicians who has the power. It is the church of our Lord Jesus Christ who has the power that we will humble ourselves and pray and seek His face and turn from our wicked ways. And we will pray, God will hear from heaven and God will heal our land. And the book of Daniel is very clear. God removes one from the office and God will put somebody else in the office of government. I don't care what people plot and scheme, the world rulers. South Africa is a praying nation. And God will get the right president and the right government to lead this country if the church will exercise the power that God gave the church. If we will unite and pray for the future of South Africa, pray for every nation, pray in the Holy Ghost, then we will see a mighty move of God. When King Herod became too big in his own eyes and because he had the power over the food, it's like the World Bank and what's happening in our world, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but you need to be blind not to see that there are world rulers that control governments, 
control the media. Not even elected officials make the decisions. There are other powers that are controlled by principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual weakness, the gods of this world. That through evil plotters and schemers, money people, control governments, control nations. But I'll tell you something, that God has His own time frame and God has decided when Jesus Christ will return and there is no bunch of powerful individuals that will dictate God's agenda or control what God meant for planet Earth. There will be revival and the glory of the latter house will be greater than the glory of the former house. In the name of Jesus Christ, God will restore His church in great glory before the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you believe it, say Amen. Come on, give Him a praise here tonight in Jesus' name. I know our television audience has to go. We've not even begun the sermon. Go to one of our CRC platforms. We love you. Cry out to God. Pray. Become part of a local church somewhere. Come on. God's got great plans for your life. He loves you. He's for you. God bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on. Give them a hand clap. So he, he goes on to say, God's Word is an indispensable weapon. <laughs> the gospel is the power. No word, no power. No word, no future. This, this Bible is not a historical book. This Bible is not a rule book. This Bible is a guidebook. This Bible teaches us how to live victoriously. You need to learn. I don't care what generation you represent. Baby boomer. Gen X, Millennial, Gen Y, whatever they call you. This Bible is written for you. This Bible isn't now suddenly a mystery for this generation that's alive. This is God's Word for you. This is God's plan for your life. This is God's will for your life. You need to live in agreement with God's Word because God cannot bless you. Answer your prayers outside of His Word. So this should be the most important book in your life because this book is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. This book is the source of your faith and you live by faith. You please God by faith. You overcome by faith. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. This book is the source of God's wisdom written on pages. Remember in the Old Testament, people didn't have the Bible. So the prophet had to bring the word of the Lord. Now the word of the Lord's been brought. All scriptures given by inspiration of God's profitable for doctrine, for instruction, for correction, that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished. Yes, God's guidebook. Yes, God's directive. Here is God's will for your life. Here is God's authority. Here is God's foundation to build your life upon. If you disregard this word, you will be controlled by feelings, emotions, and by every other agenda that controls the world. I don't know how to say this differently to young people. Because sometimes young people 
don't want me to be direct. This wasn't just written for me and for your grandmother. This is written for you. This is God's will for you. Whether you are 16 or 60. Come on, everybody under 20, say amen. God cannot operate outside of this. Your culture cannot be elevated above this. Ancestral worship cannot replace this. Your opinion cannot replace this. Your hurt cannot replace this. Your fear cannot replace this. Your ways that the world is trying to shove down your throat cannot replace this because this, the Bible says, is exalted above the name of God Himself. And if it's exalted above the name of God, you better elevate the Word of God in your life. You better get a love for God's Word. You need to get your nose in the Bible. You have to read the thoughts of God because these are the thoughts of God captured on paper for you. So when you know what the Bible says, it really doesn't matter what people say because you're anchored in truth. People may say you're a nobody, you know you're a Gideon and God said you're a somebody. People may say you cannot, you know God says you can. People may say that you're not able, you know you are able. People may say God will never forgive you, you know you've already been forgiven. People may say you're an orphan, God says no, you're a son, you're a daughter of the living God. People may say you're an outcast, God says no, you are a chosen generation, you are a royal priesthood, you are a peculiar people. You see my brother, my sister, when you are anchored in the Word of God, nobody can make you feel inferior, nobody can talk down on you, nobody can rob you of your self-esteem because you live the Christ life, you have a Christ esteem, you have a Christ confidence, nobody can get you back under the Lord because you're established in grace. You walk in the grace of God. You understand who you are and you understand who you are and therefore you have confidence when you come before the throne of grace because your prayers are based on the Word of God and when you open your mouth and you pray the Word of God, you have God's attention because God watches over His Word, the Bible says, that proceeds from your mouth. God confirms His Word in your life, not your opinion, not your emotion, not your sentiment, not your tantrum, not your anger. See, although God is not a respecter of persons, He definitely is a respecter of principle. Or God would be unfair. So He gave us His Word as an indispensable weapon. Above all, taking the shield of faith and, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This is your weapon. Where must this weapon be? Firstly, in your heart. Secondly, in your mouth. Thirdly, you must do it. The Word. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you will meditate there in day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written there. For then you make your way prosperous and you will have great success. So when Satan comes to tempt Jesus in Matthew chapter 4, Luke chapter 4, what does Jesus say? It is written. How do we overcome? The blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So if you, if you don't know the will of God, you will live a powerless life. 
You have to be a generation of the word. You have to get the word in your heart. Get the word in your mind. Change your diet. The music you're listening to. I'm not putting laws upon you, restricting you and giving you a heavy revy. I'm talking to those who are hungry for victory. Those who understand that they are in a spiritual battle and that Satan wants to steal the Word from you because if he steals the Word from you, you are powerless and your prayers are faithless. You don't buy faith. You don't pray for faith. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. That's why, you know, when I got saved, I was young at one stage as well. I knew I had to go to church. It, it wasn't an option for me. Come Sunday, I went to church. I read the Bible every day of my life. And I'm not saying go read it for 10 hours a day, but read the Bible. And the more you read it, the more you'll want to read it. The less, the less you'll want to read it. This Bible will keep you from sin and sin will keep you from this Bible. This Bible will purify you. This Bible is the washing of the water of the Word. This Bible is how God sanctifies you. When you read it, you're having a bath. When you read it, your mind is changing. When you read it, your desires are changed. When you read it, your spirit man is strengthened. When you neglect it, you become weak. Above all, taking the shield of faith. Above all. So, just start by reading the Bible. There's something amazing about the Bible. When you read the Bible, it's like an addiction that gets a hold of you, right? Those of you with addictive personalities, which are all of you. Say, I'm addicted to God. Say it. Say, I'm addicted to the things of God. Say, I love the Word more than anything else. I mean, you have to. You have to. You know, people get into conversations and, and the first thing you should say is, what does the Bible say? And that will be the end of the conversation. What does the Bible say? Go to the Bible. Pillar and ground of truth. Foundation of truth. The Bible. Build your house on the rock, the Word. Your prayer should be Word-based. Amen? Is this too heavy? He says, in the same way, so God's Word is an indispensable weapon. In the same way, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. A prayerless Christian is a powerless Christian. Pray hard and long. <laughs> I remember I listened to, to Kenneth Hagin. None of you will know who he is, but... Um, he was talking about praying in tongues and he said um, he was praying in the spirit and after an hour, because that's what the devil does. Because you know what it is like when you pray in tongues. Your brain is telling you, man, you're making this up. This is gibberish. This is nonsense. Stop. Because Satan will steal anything from you that builds your faith and that strengthens your spirit. So when you start, when is the greatest battle? The first three minutes, right? It's like, yeah, you go. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Oh. 
I've been saved 40 years this year and baptized in the Holy Ghost for 40 years. When I pray in tongues, still my mind tells me, what the heck are you doing? But that's what the Bible says. Your mind is unfruitful. Your mind doesn't understand it. No man understands it. So it's not a language that you talk. It's a heavenly language. And Satan hates it because it gives you power. It dethrones your mind and it confuses the devil because he doesn't know what you're talking, but he knows you are talking to God. Hallelujah! That's why Jesus gave you the gift of tongues. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. Now on the day of Pentecost, people receive tongues, two different kinds that were dialects preaching the gospel. I had that experience once in my life when I did mission work in Botswana many moons ago. And the interpreter I took with me, Abel Machudi from Bloemfontein, was a great pastor then. And we traveled into an area where Bushmen lived. And we came across a place where many of them gathered at a gatepost. Because an angel appeared to them and told them, go there. Somebody's going to come that will bring you the words of life. They stood there for days and waited for us. Because we were preaching the gospel. We didn't know nothing. We were just happy, praying in tongues, moving into Africa. And we stood there and they were going, you know, <laughs> I can't talk that language. And suddenly the Spirit of God came upon Abel. And he went, whatever, sorry, I don't mean to be disrespectful to anybody. And he, and he spoke there like for 10, 15 minutes. It's like the Spirit of God came upon him and he preached the gospel to them. It's the only time I've ever witnessed that he did my life and they got saved and gave their lives to the Lord. And he, since that day, he was never, ever able again to speak Bushman dialect, ever. It was a supernatural endowment of God to get the Word of God out. That happened on the day of Pentecost, but that's not the only thing that happened on Pentecost. They were also filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues, spiritual tongues. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 makes it very clear. No man understands Him. So it isn't a language I talk and suddenly somebody from Turkey shows up and says, I know what you are saying. No man understands Him. However, in the Spirit, He speaks mysteries unto God. Satan hates it. He hates that you have some power that he cannot control and he doesn't understand and that is you praying in your heavenly prayer language. Come on, give the Lord a praise if you are baptised in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And begin to exercise yourself in that area. So how do you pray long and hard in, in, in English if Jesus said, don't think you'll be hurt for your vain repetitions? Because you pray for your cousin, um, Daryl or Darren, and his brother Darren, and your friend Darren, and you pray for every young in your family. How do you pray? You say, Father, I bring Darren to you. God says, which Darren? Darren, your brother, or Darren, your cousin, or Darren, your nephew. He knows who you're praying for. I'm just kidding. Now, how are you going to pray for him? Not your mind. Because Romans 8 says the Holy Spirit takes hold together with us. 
when we do not know how we should pray. We know we should pray for somebody, but we don't know how to pray. So we pray according to the Word of God, but then we exercise speaking in tongues. The Bible says, what is it then? I will pray with the Spirit, I will pray with the understanding. When you pray in the Spirit, your understanding is unfruitful. I will pray in the understanding. I'll pray with my mental intellect, the Word of God, the Word I know brought to remembrance by the Holy Spirit. But I'll also pray in the Spirit. And praying in the Spirit, the Bible is very clear, is praying in tongues. So when he says pray long and hard, it means you have to pray like Elijah prayed. We spoke about that last Sunday morning. I'm not going to go back there. How Elijah prayed. Got the promise from God, declared the promise of God, and then prayed the promise of God into being. He prayed and prayed and prayed. He prayed in tongues. Or not, not in tongues. He prayed until he saw a manifestation of God's will. So it's not about the amount of time that you start out with. Same with Bible reading. Just start. Start by reading a chapter. When you see again, you'll read two chapters, then three chapters, then four chapters, then five chapters. Just begin. When you climb the bed, read the Bible. Go kneel at the side of your bed. Kneel at your bed. When I was in the army and they called it still to take, I would kneel on my bed in the dormitory that I lived in. I would kneel 15 minutes and I would kneel on my bed and I would pray in tongues. I would just pray in tongues, not silently, because there's nothing silent about your pastor. I would kneel on, on my bed with 11 other fellows, all traditional, and I would go, and I could feel all the pressure. A few nights later, the reverend, the chaplain came to me, he said, you can't do this. I said, do what? He said, this that you are doing is of the devil. I say, oh no, I serve the devil and I couldn't do that. There were some other languages I spoke that I cannot repeat now. But since I received the Holy Ghost, this is what I received. He said, okay, stop, 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 stop. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. But I had a lot of tongues come out of my mouth. That wasn't what I have now before I got saved different languages. So people who say speaking in tongues is of the devil, I don't know what they're talking about. And it's one of Satan's plans and schemes to rob you of your power to overcome the devil. That's why Satan will try everything in his power to keep you out of church, to keep you out of the Word of God, to keep you out of Bible school, to keep you out of home cell, to keep you out of a strong prayer life. He'll do everything in his power to keep you weak so you can be his prey. So you have to exercise yourself in the godliness. And just the amazing thing. Those people, one after the other, came to me and said, we also want to talk like that. So we take them to the iron room, ironing room, one after the other. I always gave them three in one, okay? It was like, okay, receive Jesus Christ. And they did. Give their life to Jesus, led them to the Lord, alone took them to the iron room, ironing room. You know, we you weet what the bench is, maar you weet niet wat de strijkeister is nie. Okay, in any case, ek het gestrijk, baie, baie kleren gestrijk. In any case, still can iron, perfect. My clothes are still in perfect, squared, like I learned in the army. My color-coded, my shirts are color-coded, my t-shirts are color-coded, everything is color-coded in my life. Like, perfect, oh, 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 in excellence, let me put it like that. So I would always lead people to Jesus, then I would say to them, do you want the Holy Ghost? Well, 
they would be like those people in Acts chapter 19. We have not even heard that there is any Holy Ghost. I would pray for them and without fail, they would receive the Holy Ghost. Then in quiet time, it would be me on the middle of my knee bed and then somebody else on the bed as well. Then there were three, then there were four, then there were five, then there were six, then there were everybody. Eventually half of my platoon were saved and spirit-filled, speaking in other tongues. And then I baptized them. I baptized them in the bath. Because I said what the Bible said, I just believed what the Bible said. Repent, turn away from sin, be baptized for the remission of sin, public declaration that I've broken with world and the world. I've come out of Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm a child of God unashamedly and receive the power of the Holy Ghost. Be baptized in the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues. I thank God I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost as soon as I got saved. I thank God today. I don't care what you think here today. I thank God for the gift of the Holy Ghost. I thank God for the praying in other tongues because it's the door that releases you into the realm of the Spirit. It's the door that shows you things in the Spirit. It's the door that releases the gifts of the Spirit in your life. Pray in tongues, my brother and my sister. Pray hard and pray long. Pray for your family. Pray when you don't know what to pray. Pray for your career. Pray for your future. Pray over your grandchildren. Pray. All you have to do is say, Father, I bring Joe to you tonight and I'm going to lift him up to you. I don't know what I should pray for, but Father, I ask that you work in his life. I ask that you lift the veil of deception. I ask that you break the power of the devil over his life. And then you begin to pray with groanings that cannot be articulated in, in normal languages. You take hold together with the Holy Ghost. And those of you that are prayers know exactly what I'm talking about because you pray from your belly. You pray, it's like in your gut, you are praying with the Holy Ghost and you release the power of God into people's lives. That's the power God gave you, not to live in this world as everybody else, but to live in the power of the Holy Ghost in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, some of you just lift your voice and begin to pray. I feel a spirit of prayer in this place. Come on, just lift your voice and begin to pray, 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 pray. Pray, pray, pray for whatever you have to pray for. Take hold together with the Holy Ghost right now. Pray for that friend, pray for that relative, pray for that child, pray for that situation. Pray, 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 pray for your nation. In the name of Jesus, come on. Come on, just lift up your voice. My house shall be called a house of prayer. Come on there, in blood the name. Pray for that youth revival. Come on, let's pray. Reba baba suturabondola Let's turn this into a prayer meeting. Bring 
Obra handra baza trebe sektiriatro oposho tolobande kimandre baso koto kolobashike kirebe sektiriara baso turobondo omra mama maharaba koto robondo lobosho to yabakada basete ipreba onaza dalabande sektiriatro toso obra atreba sektiabo olaba andege kimbrebe defete preso totroso olobosho korobanda yamakandre ebresele Giatora satarabanderia sate e dreveze dreva shoko olobosso o mandreva saiyalaba sakarabasetre Come on building up your most holy faith praying in the Holy Ghost Let's awaken the spirit of prayer Awaken the spirit of prophecy Awaken the spirit of faith Build up your faith, build up your faith. If you cannot pray in the Holy Ghost, just pray, pray, worship God. <laughs> come on, no on Lucas, no on Lucas. Come on, come on. Some of you, you are crying out to God for your dads to get saved. Some of you are crying out for your husband. Some of you are crying out for your parents. You are crying out for your friends. Come on, we have power to break the spirit of deception, to lift the veil of darkness over the minds of people. We have the authority. We have the authority, God's given us weapons. Come on, as you pray, you will change. Take your seat, thank you. Take your seat. Take your seat. It's early. It's early. Okay. 
So, uh, are you tired? Well. So, it's early. You'll be out here by when must the buses go? Eight. You'll be out here by eight. But I give you value for coming to church, okay? I'm going to give you a cold snack. I'm going to give you more than you want. Because some of you are used to a cold snack. But you'll go party for five hours, not you, the empty chair. You'll go watch a movie, Top Gun, for two and a half hours. And it's like, did you see Top Gun? But you've never been in a service for more than an hour and a half and you think, block squirrel. <laughs> okay, I want to give you 10 reasons why you should pray. I'm just going to read them because I have to move on. I have to move on next week to other areas. So um, I know all these things. I don't mean it. I must know it all, but I know them and I've prepared it for you. So I'm going to give it to you. Number one, prayer draws God right down into the battle and releases his hand to move on your behalf. God needs you to pray. Prayer draws God into your battle. And releases him to move. Second Chronicles 20, Jehoshaphat, when attacked by three armies, prayer brought God into their battle. Number two, prayer exposes and diffuses the plans of the enemy against you. You'll be praying like we were on a holiday and I woke up with this burden of prayer. I just knew Satan was wanting to kill one of my children. I knew which one it was. I jumped out of bed, I began to pray because it's the habit I have. When the spirit of prayer comes upon me, I don't lie in my bed, I go kneel at my bed. I begin to pray intensely. Narita jumped out of bed as well. She caught it and we prayed for about two hours. Then about four o'clock in the morning, we ran into the room where the kids were sleeping and just grabbed them and prayed over them and said, what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong? I said, nothing's wrong. We prayed. I knew. I diffused the plan of Satan. I prayed. Until I had the release. Number three, prayer confuses and blinds the enemy. You know, when we violated regulations during COVID, as a matter of fact, I, I was reading one of the speeches that I gave to the president, which I'm going to publish at some stage, all these things. Um, how confrontational we were with our government during this COVID and how much favor we walked in and how God blinded people from reporting us until I told a few pastors who became jealous and incited the police. One mistake I made in the lockdown because we walked in God's favor because we prayed, Lord, blind the Syrian army, blind them. And several of my friends had their churches closed and I had one particular meeting with key leaders in South Africa. I said, well, we don't bow to this regulation. Because we put nobody's life at risk. And then somebody, one of my dear brothers, reported me to the police. So that was a mistake, my mistake. Should have kept my mouth shut. And just walked in the favor that God placed upon our church at that time. So um, Elijah single-handedly captured an entire Syrian army. And, and, and in 2 Kings chapter 6, we know the story when the servant of the man of God rose early went out there was an army surrounding the city to come and catch Elisha the prophet. And he woke, woke up the young man unspiritual. Asked my master, what shall we do? So he said, do not fear for those who are with us are more 
than those who are with them. Say amen. So Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray open his eyes that he may see. And I pray that God opens your eyes so you can see the spirit world for what it is. The Lord opened the young man's eyes and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So when the Syrians came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord. And I've done this many times during COVID. Strike this people, I pray, with blindness. Doesn't mean they couldn't see. They couldn't see what was happening. I said, Father, when they drive past you, let them see an empty parking lot. Blind them. And God did. Till I told a jealous colleague what was happening. So watch what you say to people when God gives you a promise. Because there's always the Joseph brothers that you have to contend with. If I cannot, you cannot. If I'm too afraid, I'm not going to allow you to be bold and strong. So be careful. When you walk with God, have discernment, discernment, discern what's happening spiritually, but discern people's motives as well very, very quickly. One of the most important gifts you can operate by, it's not a gift of suspicion, but discern the motives, the intent of people that get close to you very quickly. Or those that are closest to you will betray you with a Judas kiss. Number four, prayer removes those who oppose God's agenda in the earth. You're going to watch this happen. King Herod, who was an evil king, persecuting the church, who had a lot of control, like world leaders that control food supplies, that manipulate petrol prices. We're not stupid. We know this. It's not suddenly that the world is run out of oil. It's all economic. It's all exploitation of people. We know that the world rulers the Bible talks about are not necessarily politicians. It is those people who control politicians, who buy elections. It's a fact. So we pray against these things, that God's David will come into power that it will not be the brown envelope that will decide the next president of South Africa, but it will be the one that God has chosen supernaturally will be the next president of South Africa. Shout amen in Jesus' name. So Herod controls um, the food supply and he was a great politician. So on a chosen day, like some of our politicians, great. They stir people with their emotions. Also controlled by the Europeans. And by the Americans, with their rhetoric in South Africa, that's why you have to understand the world. Not just your little world. You have to understand the world. And you have to understand the powers that have ruled the world for ages are still in control, oppressing humanity in different forms, releasing agendas to divide us, to destabilize the world. And we as Christians should never be caught in these world emotional issues that get us out of the spiritual dimension focused on a natural dimension. So he, this man, obviously very gifted in, and eloquent and powerful in speech like some political leaders, the Bible says, delivered a stirring public address. I like it. He stirred the mob, the people. And the people were so impressed by him that they said he's a God. 
What was his challenge? He oppressed God's people. He robbed food from God's people. He controlled the food. He didn't care about the poor in South Africa. So God will not tolerate that. No government, no government that will not serve the poorest of the poor and bring social justice to the citizens of this country is worthy to remain in power. We don't want political speeches every election. We want to see change in South Africa. We want to see the yoke of poverty destroyed in South Africa. We want politicians that will serve the people, not politicians that only give stirring speeches to get votes. Can I have an amen in this place? And if you don't want to say an amen, say oh me, I don't care. I'm 57. I've met with every president, every politician. I'm not nobody, but I'm not impressed by any person. Zero. No matter what your bank balance, what your status, what your title, I've seen it all, heard it all, and I pray that God will raise up a Joseph, that God will raise up a David, that God will raise up people who don't just say the right things, but people that will actually serve the people of this great nation in Jesus' name. We have all the resources to alleviate uh, poverty. There's enough government land to redistribute land and to train people for agriculture without taking or touching commercial farms in South Africa. There's more than enough for everybody in South Africa if our government will read righteously. Say, I know I'm offending some of you, but I don't care. And stop blaming the white man. I said, blijf toch no man. We're not all devils. Get over it. Ooh, now it's quiet. I understand white privilege as I understand male privilege. Uh huh. No, let me rephrase that. I understand the past of white privilege. But right now, a male under or over 50 years stands number seven on the employment list. And I'm not speaking on behalf of color, but if we want to rebuild South Africa, we need politicians that will stop dividing us based on color, based on gender, based on age. And we need to have a government that is all inclusive that will celebrate every citizen of South Africa. And if you cannot celebrate every citizen of South Africa, please get out of politics, please. Do us all a heavenly favor and get out of politics in Jesus' name. Stop the blame. Now there's certain things I shouldn't say, but I'll say it because I have the microphone. I know I make people mad every week. I absolutely do. I know that, but it's okay. Because this mealy-mouthed, mediocre nonsense is not changing anything. Do you want to tell me a three-year-old white child must now play, pay a price because the skin color is peach pink? As a belief, man. As a belief. Just draw a line and say when that line is drawn and when the date is finished and where every person can fulfill their dream. 
and be inclusive of everybody and give everybody a vision and give everybody hope that you have a role to play in South Africa. Talk to the farmers to empower their workers, start agricultural schools and empower black people to own land and to farm land and give up your government land and empower the people to go farm, those who can, those who want to, and give people the title deeds, give them the title deeds of the homes that they live in. Oh, do anything, just don't touch my color. So, number four, prayer opens the prison doors. Number five, or six, prayer releases God's angels to help and assist us. Number seven, prayer breaks the veil of deception over people's hearts. So we don't want to talk about people, we want to pray and break the veil of deception. Second Corinthians 4 verse 3 and 4, the Bible says, But even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. I believe nobody in their right mind will not follow Christ. Whose minds the God of this age is blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. So there's a veil that stops people from coming to Christ. So a debate will not win them. You have to pray for them. Break the deception. Then they are ready to receive the word of God. You have to discern that. You don't harvest a crop before the time and you don't harvest a crop too late. You have to work with the Holy Spirit who is the Lord of the harvest. Prayerfully, there's a time to witness. You pray until the soul ripens, then you reap him. If you wait too long, you lose the soul. Prayer brings lost, brings the lost to salvation. Isaiah 66 verse 8. For as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. Then number 10, prayer activates the church of Jesus Christ in the earth. Prayer keeps the church in forward momentum. Prayer keeps fire burning in the hearts of the believers. So if we fail in prayer, we will fail everywhere. So please, members of CRC leaders, home cells, spend time in prayer. When you get together in worship, spend 15, 20 minutes in prayer. Pray in tongues, lay your hands on people to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Let's take prayer to a whole nother dimension. Rather than talking, pray for people. I pray for people in my office. They come for counseling and I've learned to counsel much less and pray more. I listen to what they say, listen to what the Holy Ghost says, then I pray and the situation changes. Talk doesn't change people. Mere words don't change people. Having a cup of coffee doesn't change people. If I have coffee with a businessman and I see business people all the time, I will always pray with them in that public place and God shows up. Because when you pray, Father, God comes. Let's not think about praying. Let's actually begin to use this amazing gift called prayer that God has given to us, His church. Say amen. Oh, come on. Give the Lord a praise if you receive His Word tonight in Jesus' name. Come on, let's stand to our feet. We're going to worship in a moment, everybody. Let's stand to our feet. Service is not over. All our churches, just stand to our feet. Just begin to lift your hands to the heavens tonight. Come on. Come on. We sang that beautiful song, I am coming back to that place of worship.
the greatest prayer that we can pray is not my will be done, but thy will be done. Your will will take you one way, God's will another way. Sometimes our will clashes with God and we have to yield and we have to submit. Maybe you're standing here tonight, you've never given your life to Jesus. I don't know. The greatest, greatest prayer you can pray is surrendering your life to Jesus. The second greatest prayer you can pray is like Jonah when he walked away from God, is he cried out for God's mercy and God was merciful and he came back to God. I say it a lot tonight, but the most important thing tonight is that you are valuable, you are precious, God loves you, God cares about you. He sent His Son to die for you. And the Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. When God looks at you tonight, He doesn't look at your flaws, your failures, your sins. He looks at you with compassion and great love and He knocks at the door of your heart and He calls you into a relationship with Him. So while every head is bowed, every eye closed, people praying here in Pretoria, there in Bloemfontein, in Johannesburg, in Durban, in Cape Town, in Potsdam, in Vintuk, Khabarone, and all our churches, wherever you are tonight, standing there as a young person. And tonight you say, Pastor, I need to re-surrender my life to Jesus. I want to give my life back to God. I want to come back to that place of worship. I want to surrender all to Jesus. Then please let me pray for you. Let's do a prayer together. Because that prayer will change everything in your life. That prayer will put the fire of God back in your heart. God is one prayer away. A prayer that nobody else can pray but you. When you open your heart and you invite Jesus to take His rightful place. No matter how young, no matter how old, no matter how low you have sunk, it does not matter. God is here tonight and He's waiting for you to call on Him. To say, Lord, here I am. I give myself back to you. If that is the cry of your heart, if that is the desire of your heart tonight, you want to give your life back to Jesus or you want to surrender your life to Jesus. If that is you tonight, then quickly and quietly, Wherever you are, just slip up your hand. I want to say a prayer with you and for you all over this place right now. Just raise it up unashamedly. Lift it up all over. Raise it, raise it, raise it. Many hands. God bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. God bless you. Just slip it up. Slip it up. There in your seat. Raise it up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Just raise it up. Say yes tonight. I'm coming home. I'm coming home. There in Bloomingdale. Lift it up in Jesus' name. One more time before I pray. There's a stirring in your heart. Jesus said, I will stand at the door of your heart and knock. If you open, I will come and sup with you. You come tonight and you surrender your life to Jesus. One more time. Tell your friend, come on, tell your friend, forget your friend, tell him up in Jesus' name. Quickly, slip it up. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. At the back. God bless you. What a great privilege to pray with all of you. God loves you. And I'll tell you, if you were the only person alive in this world, Jesus would have died for you. And um, when we stand before God's, in God's presence, 
We stand in a safe place where there's no judgment, but where there's mercy and where there is forgiveness. I want you to close your eyes, put your hand on your heart tonight and pray this prayer with me in Jesus' name. Say, Lord Jesus, tonight I give myself back to you. I surrender my life to you. Thank you for loving me as I am. I believe with all my heart you died for my sin. I believe you rose from the grave. I believe you're alive. Tonight, I turn back to you and I accept you as my personal Lord and Savior. Thank you for forgiving me, for cleansing me, for washing me in your blood and for giving me the power to live as your child, free from the bondage and the yoke of sin. Your grace saves me and sets me free and I receive a new life and a new beginning in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. And upon the profession of your faith, your sins are forgiven you there in Cape Town in all our churches. Come on, give them a big, 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 big God bless you. We hope you received exactly what God had in store for you from this week's message. If you have been touched by our ministry, you can help us achieve our mandate and win the lost at any cost by visiting our website at crcchurch.com. Thanks again for listening and God bless.